Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Car Ride Conversations. This is the segment of my podcast that essentially takes place in my car. And until the end of this year's federal election here in Canada, it will be exclusively dedicated to bringing you different candidates from different parties that are all running for office. Today, my guest is Jasmine Luras. She is the conservative candidate for the riding of Outremont. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Jasmine, <laughs> don't, don't be nervous. Okay, it's uh, it's gonna be fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming. Honestly, I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Uh, yeah, I think you have to talk a bit louder if we want to get a... if we want to get good audio. I am pretty soft spoken, except when I get upset at someone. So we don't we don't yeah we don't want you to get <laughs> upset. I doubt that's gonna happen to you. So <laughs> thanks. Um, <laughs> This is amazing. First of all, compared to the election back in February. Yes. Huge difference, right? Uh, the sun look, is out. Just look at the weather. It's <laughs> much nicer to be walking out, right? It's perfect. <laughs> Campaigns uh, should always be done in this type of weather. First of all, it's safer. Mm -hmm. In the winter, you know, I have a beautiful riding and uh, we have a lot of uh, like beautiful uh, iron outdoor metal staircases. Oh, yeah. Loads of them. Mm -hmm. So those tend to get very, very slippery. And, and during the by-election, you know, there were a lot of ice storms. On election day, there was an ice yeah, storm. I remember. But there were several in between. So, you know, there was always really thick quotes of ice. So it was slippery. I was okay, but we had a volunteer who, you know, fell a little hard. Oh, yeah. And I, I fell several times. I never got injured, but it was just always very funny because, you know, I fell in very non-elegant ways <laughs> <laughs> and my volunteers had fun making fun of me so. no footage of that anywhere right there might be there might oh, okay. be there might be me in a bank of snow looking up saying ah oh, again and then laughing it off and doing a snow angel that's right there's stuff you like gotta, that you gotta make the best those, of every situation those are in the private record <laughs> yeah yeah uh let's just uh let's go back a little bit because we know each other for a while now uh you were very much involved uh, at a community uh, level, very, you know, on a social level as well. Um, I think we got to know each other at, um, at an event. Uh, was it, is it CJ Pack? Was, it, it uh, was, was that where we met at the action it party? It was the first time we met was at the CJ Pack action party at uh, Marché Bon Secours yeah. in 2014. Wow. And I remember that specifically because that day, I was still a student and I was probably just starting off in law school and I put it in my mind that it was very important to network early. Yeah. I had seen videos about the importance of your network mm -hmm. and I told myself, well, you know what, I'm going to go to this big networking event. I met you and I met uh, a gentleman named Larry that day. And every time I see him to this day, I, I tell him this story and he's so bored of it because I tell him all the time and I tell him, yep, yeah, it was uh, 2014 action party, blah, blah, blah. Because I met someone who, uh, Larry, who introduced me to uh, a group of people. I told him my interest. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm studying law, but you know, I want to enter different fields. I want to learn a little bit about finance, about this and that, you know, do you know about networking groups? In different industries and he's like well you know i was uh, part of uh, a finance committee i don't know if i should say the name but it was a ne networking events for people in the finance industry mm -hmm. in montreal 
said, well, if they have an upcoming event, I'd like to go. He gave me the address. He told me where to go. And there I met more people. And at each event, I would find someone that would open a new door for me. And believe it or not, that that domino effect, that I think that's probably how I'm in politics today. It's one person introducing me to another person, giving me an opportunity and another opportunity, and it all amounted to this. So. But, but aside from all these interests that you had and all these uh, networking events that you went to and all these people that you met, had you ever been involved like direct uh, directly in politics to, to have done like really uh, on the ground partisan politics? Directly, well, it happened gradually. Mm -hmm. So I had started uh, with communities. I wanted to tie two communities together. So I had started a group called the Hellenic Jewish Partnership. Yes. I'm of the Jewish uh, Greek community and uh, I have a lot of friends in the Jewish community. And I'm like, you know what? There are so many similarities you know, when I was having uh, invited for Shabbat supper and I was listening to the conversation around the kitchen table, I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm right I'm at home. home. I'm home, yeah. exactly. And, you know, I knew that, you know, because I was in law and I had, a, you know, friends from all over, you know, young adults like me, we have this pleasure of growing up in a multicultural world. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. every classroom right now is filled with people of every community. You can travel in your own classroom yeah, exactly. and then you're invited to birthday parties and this and then you get to try all different cuisines just you know before you're even an adult so i'm like you know what this is great but i don't know if my parents generation is the same so let's bring those two communities together let's turn that into park avenue park avenue is, is yeah. famous for having yeah. uh the greek and jewish community working together mm -hmm. so i started with that and i think that was a lot of work on the ground but then more concretely with law, I ended up getting an internship with the U.S. Department of State okay. in uh, Public Affairs and Foreign Commercial Service. So I guess you can call it political, although the Department of State is apolitical. Yeah, exactly. You know, there are career diplomats who will work through a Republican administration, a Democrat administration. Yeah. They're there to serve, you know, and yeah. they're not going to get too involved. So, but, you know, I'm a Canadian girl with Greek roots and, and stuff like that. But I told myself, well, you know, this is a very good experience. So so what, what made you, uh, you know, make that decision to say, okay, this is it, I'm, I'm gonna run? Um, it was actually at the US Department of State. Yeah. It was, um, it, it felt nice to serve a foreign government and to learn a lot because God knows we work hard there and they're so efficient. So. You know what i learned there it's just it was a great school and i told myself okay that's good i learned a lot of things that could be useful for me and for my country mm -hmm. and you know i didn't plan it but i had an opportunity to meet andrew Shear and people of the conservative party while i was doing my internship it was another networking event it happened at mcgill it was i think in november 2017 and Andrew Shear was in the room and a lot of young students in their late teens and 20s were in that room. The room was full for a you know leader of the opposition. Yeah. It's unusual. I was so surprised. And I introduced myself to the team there and I told some of the people, you know what, right now I'm finishing an internship with the U.S. Department of State. It'll be done before the, uh, the new year and I'm looking for new opportunities and I think it would be nice to serve my own government. Mm -hmm. So if you hear of any way that i can get involved 
you know, please think of me. A couple of weeks later, I got a phone call saying, well, you know what? Um, Mr. Mulcair uh, is no longer available. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's retired, this and that. There's a position open as a candidate. I didn't expect to get involved at such, a, at, wow. at such a yeah. high level, but I think I was ready. And I said, well, give me some time to think about it. <laughs> I called my parents. Uh, I sat down and I really thought about it. And I said, well, you know what? You served a foreign government. This is your chance to help people, and you've always tried to do that socially. Exactly. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a very I'm very much of a nurturer, uh, a problem solver. My friends have a problem; they'll call me, Jazz. You know, what can I do about this, or what do you think? I'm like, okay, well, let's weigh the pros and the cons, and let's try to find the silver lining, this and that. I guess being in politics is a way to help on a larger scale. I haven't been elected yet, but I hope. I could be, and I think I'd be able to to take more concrete action than you know coffee shop conversations, yeah. telling people how to fix their issues. <laughs> uh, let, let's go back to the to the by election 2019. Yeah, this was your first experience. So the, 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 there's pros and cons, like you said, right? And the election that you're doing now, I mean, you got kind of like a practice run, right? In, in February, but let's go back to February. How was that I, experience for you? It was the first time was running. Like, you were a candidate, you were, uh, you're getting your feet wet, you know. Uh, I'm sure there were many ups and downs, like is the case with anyone coming into politics for the first time. Give me, give me your, you know, the, your perception of that, that first campaign. Yeah, look. Well, this is my campaign yeah, sign. They, they, they what happened little, to your eyes? Yeah. They, they gave they me the nice eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was an amazing experience. To be honest, it was a very civil campaign. Um, it was cold sure yeah. but i had a good team and and like you said it was a good trial run it was a by-election so for me uh running for the first time federally i had the support of every other nom like nominated candidate yeah, and that's, all I the think, conservative that i guess team. is an advantage right because they don't have to focus on all these other no. ridings uh, running at the same time there's yes. only one by-election and so you have all this support uh, coming together yeah so candidates from all over came to help they sent their teams, their volunteers. So it was always a full house at the campaign office, uh, you know, on the door to door. And for me, it, you know, reassured me and it showed me how solid the team is. There's a lot of solidarity within the team. And, you know, eight months later, I could take all that knowledge, you know, that school, campaign school mm -hmm. that you can only learn when you're really on the ground and put into practice for, for the, the big campaign. So I'm, I think I'm extremely lucky to have been able to run in two federal elections in eight months. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people wait eight years. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so obviously you have a lot of experience on the ground. You did it in the beginning of the year uh, and you kind of just continued because you obviously knew there was an election coming this year yeah. as well. Um, you've had the opportunity to meet a lot of people on the ground. Tell me a little bit about the, 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 the feedback that you're getting. Uh, and, and just to remind everyone that's watching or listening, this is the writing of Utremont. Yeah. Uh, you have a link in Utrecht. You, you were raised here, or uh... well, it's funny you're asking me this right now. See, now we're on the corner of uh, Park and Saint Vieter. Yeah, I went to high school about a block away, so I used to walk here all the time at lunchtime and get my little bagels at Saint Vieter Bagel yeah, Shop. Yeah. There used to be a bakery that was called, I think, the Napolitan Bakery. We could get fifty cents tomato pizzas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew where to go. No, I went to elementary school in Utrecht. I went yeah. to high school in Utrecht. 
later uh, I did a little bit of uh, University of Montreal courses here also there was a startup incubator mm -hmm. that was uh, near Queen Mary in the riding I just spent all my my high school years teen years young adult years socializing I mean now there's this very famous place for the young Greek community yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know we went there several times I mean and it's by the way that's great real estate for your poster eh? right there oh yeah <laughs> it wasn't planned out it, it, it's perfect and I'm surprised you're, you're the only one on that poll oh, well <laughs> uh, so tell me tell me a little bit I about put that the, one up myself oh there you go mm -hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about the feedback you're getting on the ground and that you've gotten throughout the whole year because you've been pretty much active uh, on the ground since uh, since January yeah. or even maybe before uh, yeah, end of before, last year. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit what you uh, what the, what the feeling on the ground positive, is. It's very positive, you know. People are, are very kind and very open-minded in Outremont. Even if they might have a different political opinion, they will always express it respectfully and it will always be, you know, an interesting conversation at the doors. Did, but, that, did that surprise you at all? Uh, did, were you expecting the people's behavior to be different did you enter politics and say oh my god i'm gonna knock on the door what if they don't like me what if they start yelling at me Was you don't there know any what to expect like yeah. you don't know what to expect you you knock on someone's door you could be disturbing them at dinner time yeah. uh, they could be in the middle of a phone conversation they could be you know talking to their kids or, or figuring something out with their spouse yeah. you're intruding into people's into their privacy space, yeah. into their space and to see that the reaction is so welcoming it's like yes we know there's an election Thank you for coming. I get a lot of yeah. thank you for coming, you know. So you might be entering people's space, but at the same time, they're happy you took the time to go see them. And I think it's the most effective way to get a good feel of your writing is taking the time to go door to door, you know. Yeah, meeting as many people as you can. And it's pleasant. It's pleasant because whether you win or lose, every person you spoke to becomes a friend, a connection, yeah. or someone who wants to interact with you. A lot of people want to get in touch with you later. So for a young person like me, it's an incredible, it's an incredible opportunity. I uh, feel really, really lucky and blessed to be a candidate and to be able to do this. Tell me a little bit about the platform. Um, is there anything that seems to resonate uh, more than uh, than, uh, than, uh, than the beginning of the year based on what you're proposing in your platform with your citizens now that you're meeting them? What, what seems to be uh, the element or the elements uh, in the platform that people seem to be uh, liking? Yeah, I think it's the, the affordability. You know, people are really excited to be able to have a little bit more leeway at the end of the month. Some people are $200 shorts of being able to finish the month. So, yeah. you know, lowering you know, some taxes, I mean, removing taxes is on electricity and heating. I mean, heating is not a luxury here. People find that it will make a yeah, difference. Yeah, that seems to be a very popular one. Hey, I've been speaking to a lot of people as well, and that that, that, uh, that federal tax uh, off the, the hydro bill seems to be uh, quite popular, especially here in Quebec. I mean, you know, we, we live in a country that can be chilly, you know, a couple of months out of the year, more than half. Yeah. And it's not a luxury. If yeah. you don't heat your home, you'll get sick. If you don't heat your home, I mean, you remember when we had uh, the ice storm, yeah. there were people who, you know, passed away because of carbon monoxide poisoning because they lit little fires at yeah. home. Electricity is expensive. The cost of life is expensive. So we want to give more leeway 
to young families, to elderly people, mm-hmm. and you know, people's pocketbook. You know, they they feel it. They feel it when they're tight. What and else? What else do you think that people are resonating well with? I think that um, the tax credit for uh, renovating homes, mm-hmm. for green homes, is a really popular one, especially in this riding. I hear that a lot because, you know, it's beautiful homes with a historic facade, but mm-hmm. sometimes the inside can, you know, be a little... Yeah, outdated. Yeah, outdated, <laughs> and people really think that would be great because it's expensive to renovate. I know I've helped uh, my dad fix a couple of things here and mm-hmm. there, and it takes time. For sure. And it takes money, but when you have an incentive, you know, $3,800 is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You can replace uh, several things mm-hmm. and make them more economically uh, friendly and environmentally friendly. It's funny that you mentioned the environment. Let's talk, about, uh, let's talk a little bit about the environment. Um, this campaign, I felt personally that it has sensitized the people a lot more on environmental issues. There was a, a huge march a couple of weeks ago yeah. uh, in, in Montreal that pretty much got everyone's heads turned uh, towards us. Um, tell me a little bit about the environment uh, platform, uh, the, the environment elements in your platform um, and how that is resonating because it seems to me that there's not much on the environment from the conservative platform unless I'm wrong, I don't know. Well, we have a, a website dedicated 100% to the environmental plan in, in almost 60 points. Mm-hmm. It's called unvraiplan.ca or arealplan.ca and you can see the entire platform point by point on all the things we want to do and you know it's a long list but the the gist of it is to solve the problem at the source. Mm-hmm. So you know a carbon tax we don't believe is the best way. We rather stop emissions at the source by investing in green tech Mm -hmm. and putting the emphasis on innovation. And that allows us to be even more proficient in our green technologies and exporting those green technologies abroad for countries that still produce big emissions because they burn coal, this and that can benefit from our technology. We can sell it abroad and take the global, uh, the environmental fight global. And that's the real, big picture does your message on the environment come across to the to the people that you meet i mean let's not forget i mean you know it was the harper administration that kind of left the kyoto plan uh, the kyoto protocol that was uh, specifically on the reduction of gas emissions um how are people looking at the conservative platform and giving it perhaps the credibility that that it deserves i feel like you know there's always a bit of a stigma when people uh think of the conservatives and think of as we're the big bad guys that are not environmentally friendly. But, yeah. you know, the, the Kyoto uh, Protocol uh, didn't apply to big emitters like the United States and, and China. And this time around, it's kind of, you know, we're pushing the message as much as we can. We have a website with all our plan. You know, the media also has to give us a help to boost our message. But at the doors, that's my job. Mm-hmm. I inform people. I tell them, well, you know, you may not be aware of this website. Here it is. Take the time. Look it up. Here are a few links to, to videos on the things we want to do. Inform yourself as much as you can before you make a decision. And uh, all, all the candidates, that's that's our job. We're, we're not elected yet, so we're missionaries. We're, around, we're going around and we're trying to pass our positive mm-hmm. message across. And that's what makes it interesting at the door is like oh yeah oh you guys are uh, you know anti-environment you're you're the big bad guys well no 
this is what we want to do. Oh, mm-hmm. you guys want to give us credits for the uh, you know, to renovate our, our home? Oh, you guys want to bring back the tax credit for public transport? Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. You guys want to do this and that. And people are like, oh, you know what? I apologize. I didn't know. You know what? I'm going to go home and do my homework. Yeah. I'm going to take the time. There's a lot of mixed emotions also about the, the, the what's it called? The green corridor? The, the energy corridor. The energy corridor. Uh, and specifically with Quebec, who seems to be very protective uh, on their jurisdiction. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people are wondering, what is it? Uh, uh, how is it going to work? And where is it going to pass? And should it pass from here? And uh, is, should Quebec allow the federal government to tell us what to do with our with our territory? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the thought behind the energy corridor is to be energetically self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, in a safe way. We all remember what happened in Lac Megantic. I don't want to use that and capitalize on that, but when you take a highly flammable and explosive fluid and you put it in motion, you increase risks of catastrophes mm-hmm. such as that or when it's, you know, on a huge ship, if anything were to happen to that ship, unrefined oil floating on water, we know it doesn't mix mm-hmm. and it causes irreparable uh, environmental damage. So the safest way to contain a liquid like that is is in a pipeline mm-hmm. and we believe that having our own instead of bringing it from here and there would be economically friendly and environmentally friendly because you know something crossing the atlantic if something were to happen it's a problem and also we know that canadian oil is ethically sourced mm-hmm. and we're probably some of the top in the cap- carbon capture and our standards are extremely high yeah. in other countries that we import oil from the standards are not that high in terms of the way it's produced and in terms of you know other local issues on how they treat people and mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm gonna be honest with you because i believe that we should be able to get our uh, our resources to market okay. uh and uh, and i was all for uh, the whole pipeline purchase mm-hmm. in the in, in the west uh, in western in western Canada, but we see that it's been taking I don't know how many years in order for even that to go through, uh, and it's just from one province to another, right? From Alberta to BC, uh, and it just keeps you know uh, delaying uh, this whole process. There's, you know, there's court hearings and it's been challenged. Uh, how confident are you that you're going to be able to do something like that across the country from coast to coast? I mean, I think it would be the best thing for Canada. Now, I'm not an expert on uh, petroleum and timelines, but I think it would be good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit, because right before we went live, uh, we ran into a, to an individual and started talking <laughs> politics, like, like normal. I mean, it's like, you know, they see you on the street, they, they recognize you're a Canadian, they just open up their heart. It's nice, <laughs> I like it. it uh, and the whole issue with, uh, uh, you know, the, pu- the public finances came up. Uh, where the Liberals were promising a balanced budget by the end of their mandate and finally we're, we're here with a $70 billion deficit and we're looking at the, at the campaign that they want to put forth uh, and the promises that they want to deliver for the next four years and we find out that there's another $20 billion per year that will be uh, indebted, uh, totaling another $80 billion at the end of potentially a majority mandate that they want. Say, for example, that you guys make it through and you become the government. 
you're going to have a $70 billion deficit to make up for it. How do you, how do we balance our books? How do you, because I think the conservative said that you're going to balance the book in five years, I think. Yeah. So, you know, because the, the, the question that, that, that everyone, everyone is thinking is how? we've had a government that gave us everything. Are you going to be the government that takes everything away? <laughs> no, <laughs> as a matter of fact, there are social programs and health programs. The investment on that will keep increasing. It's very hard to have strong social programs if you don't have a strong economy. Mm -hmm. So step one is to repatriate some money. You know, I don't know the entire platform, but Andrew Shear announced that 25% of the money that's going abroad uh, will come back to Canada and money that is given to countries that are doing fairly well economically, we're going to bring that back to help the Canadian pocketbook. That's one thing. And so, you know, if you want to have strong social programs, you can't compromise the future mm -hmm. of the young generation, having them foot the bill. You're confident that we're going to be able to maintain these programs, but, but just creating more revenue or going to get additional revenue streams will be able to, uh, to finance them. I think so. I have complete confidence in Andrew Shear's plan. Let me let's talk about something else that just recently came became a, a, a quote unquote issue, uh, and that's the surprise rise of the Bloc Québécois, mm -hmm. uh, much to the surprise of both the Conservatives and the Liberals, who were counting on making gains in Quebec, uh, one in order to maintain their majority, and in your case uh, with the Conservative Party to to make government. Mm -hmm. uh, suddenly, we're two weeks into the well now almost a week, but it's been all been going on for uh, an additional week so let's say two weeks in total we've seen this surprising rise of the Bloc Québécois they seem to have come out of nowhere uh, that first francophone uh, the first French debate uh, Yves-François Blanchet did spectacularly well uh, and uh, he seems to be going after all those writings that the NDP back in 2011 had uh, taken away from the Bloc um, how do you see that evolving in Quebec uh, what do you think the strategy is in order to uh, to make sure that the Conservatives penetrate uh, certain writings in Quebec. Well, the first thing I want to bring to your attention is in, in the English debate, Mr. Blanchet said himself, it's unlikely I'll be prime minister. But everybody knows that. The, Everyone the, yeah. knows that. Um, you know, I think that a vote for the Bloc is not really going to help people who would really like the Bloc's platform because it's only the Conservative Party that's going to be that's more likely to be elected and that could actually do tangible things. Like we want to have the, you know, one form for the income taxes. Mm -hmm. We want to have a minister for Quebec. Ooh, this guy's going to cut us off for <laughs> Quebec industry. We really want to put Quebec in, to the forefront, but a vote for the bloc won't do that. Mm -hmm. The only way to really have a team that's working hard on the ground and that can bring concrete results is by voting for the Conservative Party. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, don't get me wrong, Monsieur Blanchet is a great orator. It's, uh, I like hearing what he has to say, but I just don't think it's strategic for uh, a voter mm -hmm. to to make that choice. Well, see, look, the, 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 the voter that is perhaps uncertain right now, he's probably looking at these things. But what Yves-François Blanchet did, he kind of woke up that separatist sentiment in, in the Quebec population, you know, that that brought the bloc to opposition in, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? Uh, and I know Yves-François Blanchet because when we got in in 2000, I'm not sure if it was in Quebec in 2007, he may have come in in 2008. 
we saw him in opposition and then we saw him while he was Minister of Environment when we were in opposition in 2012. He is an exceptional parliamentarian. He is very uh, eloquent. Mm -hmm. And personally, I had no doubt that this guy would be able to revive the Bloc Québécois. I had no idea that it would reach this level over here. And I know because, you know, I, I know a lot of people both at the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party who strategically were hoping on gaining certain ground in Quebec uh, in order to you know, to gain some seats and uh, yeah. make their way into government. And I feel that both the Liberal and the, and the Conservative parties are kind of in panic mode right now. It's an interesting time. You know, it's the final stretch. Yeah. And suddenly you have the Bloc Québécois that rose from nowhere and they're number one in Quebec, number one in the Francophone vote. And there's all these analysts that are projecting them to go as far as 30 seats in Quebec, which is which is huge. I mean, the only polls I really worry about is what's going to happen on, on the 21st. Yeah. After. But, you know, we've had we've had nice surprises like uh, Monsieur Martel in, uh, in, in Saguenay. Mm -hmm. He um, succeeded in a, in a very block area. I mean, we're, we're working really hard. And I think people are starting to realize that, you know, voting for the conservative party could be the right option for them mm -hmm. that's the message i'm getting at the door you know i've spoken to people who tend to vote block uh, or tend to vote liberal and there's a lot of disgruntled liberals and there's a lot of people that believe that maybe voting for the block is no long, longer a good option mm -hmm. and they're reconsidering their, their their vote so my job is to just keep working hard and bringing forward our positive message and seeing what happens on the 21st. So there's one last debate. It's tonight. tonight. Uh, and I'm it's, so it's again, it's a French debate. Yeah. So, you know, we saw what happened after the first French debate where <laughs> arguably, you know, Andrew Scheer didn't come out that strong from that. And inversely, we had Yves-François Blanchet that, 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 that jumped on this huge I springboard. Think Andrew so to, Scheer did great. You think and he did good? I think, yeah, I think his French is really good. I, I'm not talking about his French. I think oh. everyone, everyone did well with yeah. their French, whether it's their first language or not. Uh, but it just felt that within the first couple of minutes, he took a couple uppercuts. Uh, I think he, I think he did well considerably, you know, to finish off that debate. Mm -hmm. But those, the, the, those first kind of couple minutes there, where especially with the question on, uh, you know, abortion rights, uh, it had him kind of destabilized for a good 30, 40 minutes. I, I agree with you that he bounced back and he did okay until the end of the campaign. But what I'm trying to say is that. That first French debate really is what spurred the Bloc Québécois and François Blanchette. Now we have the, the second French debate. Um, but what are, what should we expect? What should what do you what do you think Andrew Scheer uh, should go into this campaign? Like what kind of mindset do you think he should go into this with? You mean uh, into watching the debate tonight? Into the debate tonight. I think it's oh, cool. Go ahead. I think. Uh... Almost ran we, over we, one of your electors here. Uh, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I'm excited for the debate. I think he's going to do incredibly well. I love watching Andrew Scheer debate. I, I love the interviews he gives. I think he's so poised and he doesn't cut people off. He stays. He has a good character. He's calm and collected and he delivers the message with respect. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a French debate, so I got to see, also see the Tout le monde en parle episode. I think he did very well, and I'm excited to watch him tonight. I think we'll be very pleasantly surprised, and I think everyone should tune in. I think it's going to be interesting because it's the last one, so every <laughs> every leader is coming with their gloves on, and there's no room for failure, right, in this debate. Um, we should watch it together. How yeah. about that? I mean, we, we can we can ha do live commentary. <laughs> that would that would be interesting. It'd be so much fun. It, it would be great. 
Um, all right, lastly, we're going to close it up. I know you're very busy. Um, a lot of people watching. I think you're just saying that because we're about to pass St. Vitor Bagel and you're really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Is it them that celebrated their 100 years or it's the other one on Fairmont? On it's Fairmont. Fairmont eh? So what I like to do, and uh, I've, I've been inspired by a, a Yiddish comedian, is to go here to St. Vitor Bagel, get a warm bagel, and then by the time you're done eating and you start walking up the street, you end up at Fairmount Bagel. You end up at the other bagel shop. And then yeah, you yeah. can get another one. <laughs> and, you know, I think this is a mystery we'll never solve in Utraman is, is which bagel is better there. You just got to keep doing that walk back and forth. And just keep yourself satisfied. And whichever, whichever is better, <laughs> you really it. don't care. It's as one of those as, mysteries as we, can, we can never solve and we don't win at solving it because... <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's close it up. Tell, sure. um, a couple words you want to tell your electors um, why uh, they should vote for you, why they should trust the conservative platform, uh, just so we can close it up. Well, the conservative platform is a platform that will allow people to get ahead. And, you know, economic times aren't the best. It's tough for people to make it at the end of the month. We want to bring more flexibility to the people here. We've got a lot of young families that worry about kids' education. They worry about their own finances. Uh, we have a lot of young moms who are getting taxed on their maternity leave. We want to get rid of that. We want to make sure people have more flexibility by cutting some taxes across. Now, would, why I think people should vote conservative, I think it's the right choice for Canada moving forward. And what I want to tell my electors is take the time to read the platforms. The media, you know, will give you information, of course, but it's not their job to keep feed you all the information. So do your research and make a choice based on facts that you've researched that you'll be proud of your choice. And uh, you'll have made a choice that's not based on any bias or things you hear, but on the research you made so you can find out what's right for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. I need to have about a week left a little over yeah. a week left it's it's your final stretch yeah uh and you're lucky because we have amazing weather so you'll oh, be able to take goodness. advantage of it fully and uh, i'll be watching very closely thanks so much jasmine <laughs> with pleasure <laughs>